With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Michigan State was better than Iowa in one regard this past week, but it wasn't in football. Tom Izzo has us cracking open the prayer book. Brian Kelly puts more lives at risk. A preview of Indiana and your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my two co-hosts. First, the Upper Deck Jerk Guy's new face, Kevin Greck. And second, the guy who chews squeaky toys and blames the noise on his dog, Alex Plum. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Relieved. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's me as the Upper Deck Jerk Guy's new, uh, new profile pic. I think that's just some handsome devil that he found out there. Some slender, um, slender devil. Uh-huh. Uh, but good feelings all around, yes? We. Oui. Yes, yes, yes? Oui, oui, oui. Yes, very much so, other than football. Wow. <laughs> Which we'll get into in a minute. Before we do, uh, of course, we thank you for listening. If you could, please share the podcast with Spartans in your life. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us in the old Twitter machine, at Spartan underscore pod. It would mean a great deal to us. Plum, tell the folks what they can expect on this week's show. Well, gentlemen, as always, uh, can't read, can't write starts on the green wall, the green wall where football always leads, unless, of course, you have COVID-related breaking news. <laughs> we will uh, spend some time dissecting uh, the uh, Spartans' lackluster performance against Iowa, uh, talk a little bit about recruitment, and maybe even uh, do a little basketball uh, prognostication. Uh, then we'll head off Grand River, look at uh, sports around the connection, see what's happening uh, old Notre Dame way this week and uh, take a couple updates around sports in general. Uh, we'll preview the game against Indiana and then uh, we'll take your Twitter questions and uh, listen to a little ad copy spliced in here and or there. So with that, guys, let's get behind the green wall. Uh, yeah. Hate to announce this and uh, it's kind of going around Twitter. So I'm sure folks uh, will know this by the time they are listening to the pod, but uh, Coach Izzo has uh, confirmed that he has tested positive for COVID. Um, anyone that has been following Michigan State's COVID saga knows that there really isn't a better um, role model for good COVID protection than Tom Izzo. Uh, the guy is in his mask anytime you see him on and off camera in practice. Heck, I think he's even wearing it in the office when it's just him. Um, he has been fastidious about following the advice of the team doctors and the medical professionals at Michigan State. So um, in his statement, he sort of just said he's befuddled, scratching his head, trying to figure out when he was. Um, he let his guard down. And I think, you know, um, he said this, but I think it's worth underlining. Uh, it just goes to show how highly contagious uh, this COVID virus is. And even when you think you've done everything you can to uh, control for your exposure, um, you know, it can still get you. I don't know, Jones. What, 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 what were your reactions to uh, to seeing that statement come up? 
I mean, obviously, um, uh, first and foremost, concerned for him. Uh, it sounds like he's experiencing, um, you know, very mild uh, symptoms right now, and and so wishing him the best in recovery. Um, to your point, he has been uh, a great uh, advocate for you know proper behavior and and believing and and following the guidelines of medical professionals. That said, uh, Tom Izzo did do a presser. Um, uh, shortly after the the announcement came out, um, you know he he noted. Um, well, I would also add he noted that he you know was that all the players and their families have tested negative, uh, which is great. And it sounds like we also found out that basketball has not yet had a a positive test. Um, so they're really doing the hard work over there. Um, I'm quite sure that if a player did get him sick, they would be immediately cut from the team. But um, even Tom Stevie? Izzo, even e- excised from the family. Um, <laughs> but I, I we was got the guest you know, room ready for you, Stevie, if you need it. Just let me yes, know. And I, Tom Izzo did say that he on, I, I believe, Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, um, came down with some chills and I think a bit of a cough. Um, didn't ever have a fever, felt better and went back back to work today when he then found out that he tested positive. Mm. Um, I think it's an important reminder for people that if you're sick, stay home. Like it, it doesn't matter if you don't have a fever, you know, if, if you, if you don't feel well right now, just stay home. Um, here, here, because I, you know, in particular, because if correct me if I'm wrong, plum, but my understanding is, Oftentimes with COVID, if you are experiencing symptoms, you you will see them come in waves and you can have an initial bit of sickness and then get a little bit better and then it can get much worse over the the you know five next five to seven days. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. First symptoms are not often the worst. So um you should be taking it seriously. And I think even still, you know, flu season is coming around, cold season is gonna come around too. Um, if you are really limiting your exposure to folks around you, if you are washing your hands frequently using hand sanitizer, wearing that mask. Um, if you do come down with symptoms, sad to say, but it's much more likely you have COVID than you do, uh, you know, the, the cold or the flu, if, if you really are doing those other things to guard against those exposures. So, um, just doubly important to follow those, uh, follow those recommendations. Indeed. Well, guys, uh, with that news, we will uh, light some candles and say our prayers tonight as we uh, get into bed for uh, for Tom Izzo and for the program in East Lansing. But we got to talk football, and this was Do bad. We? Yeah. Do we? <laughs> this, uh, th- this was bad. This was bad in the exact opposite way that last week was good, you could say. Um, Michigan State went on the road. Kinnick Stadium lost 49-7. to Iowa dominated in every single phase of the game. So I think we need to break down the game, the good, the bad, the ugly. Got to look at every side of the ball. I don't know, though. It seems to me that critiquing play starts with critiquing coaching. So process warriors, let's talk about coaching first, Jones. (laughs) Uh yeah, so I, I would describe this season so far as sort of like the line in the office where Michael Scott is talking about his vasectomies and that it's snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap, three separate vasectomies. It like it, this <laughs> this seems like a team that I don't know what to make of it. And um, so part of that consistency, maybe, you know, you can you can point to new schemes put into place. Um 
you know, and that there's some teaching that's going on, but, um, this, uh, this team was not seemingly prepared at all for what Iowa was, was going to do. And, and so either they don't know how to schematically address what Iowa did because Iowa didn't do anything that was particularly complicated or out of character for them. Um, they, uh, and, and so MSU should have been quite ready for that. It's, and given that we played Wisconsin last year, who I know is not an identical team, but does some similar things. We, we again should have had some film internally on it. Um, that was a bit alarming. Um, it's, and and then there were the other pieces of that were also disturbing so um the linebacker play was abysmal um and so too was the special teams we're looking at you ross ells those are both of your departments um jay johnson uh apparently heard uh us and other members of the press that's right we're members of the press talk <laughs> about how um uh, Iowa has a bend, don't break, uh, keep the ball in front of you defense. And he took that as gospel. Hmm. And so after airing it out 12 times against Michigan quite successfully, uh, he does it, uh, only twice in this game. And, and I can't emphasize this piece enough. Both times he did it were successful, but chose not to do it more. Um, so just, you know, I, I know Mel Tucker responded that he was excited to, to look at the tape, but um, uh, coaching wise, I, I appreciate the response, but coaching wise, it it did not go well. Greg, would you say anything in addition? No, I think that just about. I mean, coaching wise, this was a this was a rough game. This, <laughs> in a lot of different ways, this was the antithesis of the last game, and coaching certainly was one of them. Um. Why don't you take us to um, offense then, Greg? I mean, what 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 in the hell do you make of this game? And I don't know, where was Rocky Lombardi where we needed him? Well, well, QBR is is probably not the world's best way of evaluating quarterback. To, but does anyone want to guess what Rocky Lombardi's it, quarterback rating was for the game? No. 15.5. <laughs> Which if you're not aware of the scale is an extraordinarily bad rating. Um, we, you know, didn't have any, uh, turnovers last week against Michigan. And that was fantastic because Rocky Lombardi had four in this game. Now, I think we'll probably touch on this in a moment about his apparent health, um, at times during this game, but he was clearly not well. Uh, he, I was off. He was never in, in any kind of rhythm, uh, three interceptions, one fumble, uh, only connected on 17 of his 37 attempted passes. I mean, it was just not a good showing for Rocky Lombardi. It was sort of back to the Rocky Lombardi that we saw at times last season. So uh, in terms of the other aspects of the game, uh, rushing was a little bit better. Uh, certainly not as good as Michigan, but I think if you account for all of the yards that Rocky lost. Um, I think the running backs were somewhere around like 3.5 yards per carry. It's not fantastic, but it's not as terrible as they were against uh, Rutgers. Um, we did get to see a little bit more of Eli Collins 
for the first time and Aunt Williams uh, in Garbage Time. I don't know if we are to take anything from that, but uh, Simmons is still the dude um, for what that's worth. And then in the receiving game, uh, a whole lot of Jalen Naylor and then really not anything else. Uh, Ricky White <laughs> kind of follows up last week with uh, with one catch, um, which is not going to do it in a case like this. Uh, and uh, yeah, just just not a good, not a good look. Jalen Reed production really falling off there. One catch, I think, for him as well. So uh, I don't know what to expect from this team on a week to week basis. It might be that we just get best of times worst of times one week to the next uh and we gotta hope for the best but uh pretty rough jonesy what do you got on on offense what stuck out to you the 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 blocking up front was abysmal Mm -hmm. um you know it it it, there was an inability to to get any push uh, and and what's What's alarming about it is that even though uh, Michigan appears to be big bad, um, there's still a high degree of confidence that Michigan's front four are pretty okay. Some might say they're guys. Some might say they'll play on Sundays. But if if that offensive, if our, and when I say that, if our offensive line was able to do anything against Michigan's front four to seven, it is quite disturbing that they regress to Rutgers level performance again. Um, and so that, you know, that could be a talent thing. I mean, there's a handful of things at, at play here, um, but that was disturbing. And uh, Greg, I did do the math because uh, <laughs> I, I want people to know if you take Rocky's negative 21 yards out of the equation, um, Michigan averaged or uh, Michigan state, sorry, averaged, uh, 2.18 yards per carry. What? Um, really? Yes. Well, I mean, well, you, Simmons... I, when you said that, when you, when you said that, I, sh- I was like, I cocked my head and I'm like, no, that's, that's not right. Your Simmons though, did average 3.8 yards per carry, which I think Plum was about ready to say, which is a fair point. No, it wasn't. But, it was, yeah. it was to, it was to decry that three point kill me. 34 yards on nine carries with a long of nine. Yeah, literally like, no, thank you. Like that again, it just come. And for this, for me, this comes back to trust the process. I, I still don't understand the goddamn process other than to say the process works when you get your size, your guys as revved up as they can be to go to the big house and just put the hurt on Michigan. But you, then Iowa on the road, that's just bread and butter football. You, you have to put plays together. You, you, I mean, so I, nine, I, I do think we need to say one good thing about the offense, though. And here's it. my one good thing. In a terrible, absolutely garbage play call, Tyler Hunt, third string punter, converted tight end, does score a touchdown on a jet sweep. And um, I think we should all celebrate that for a moment. Uh, Mark D'Antonio has been saying that Tyler Hunt, third string punter, is quite an athlete. And it ends up being he is quite an athlete. So and at Iowa, the only athlete that came to play for the <laughs> Michigan State Spartans. What an indictment yeah. that that was the play that got us the one score of the game. Well, yes. So it was with offense. Greg, talk to us about the defense because, uh, oh, the linebackers had a real performance this week. Uh, well, uh, we can just go with this. Um, do you guys know how many punts, uh, 
<laughs> how many bunts our friends in Iowa had? Uh, pray tell. Pray tell. Kevin. Yeah, that's not that bad. That's way more than I was expecting. I was expecting like two. Um, I mean, the the game was over. And it's not like the offense just put them in, the MSU offense put the MSU defense in bad spots. I mean, Iowa drove the entire game. Um, so I, I just don't know what to say about the MSU defense. Um, I, they gave up 49 points to Iowa. I don't know what to do with that information. Um, <laughs> linebacking was terrible. The, the corners did not play well. And, uh, I was able to do whatever they wanted on the ground. I mean, Goodson gashed them. Uh, 14 carries for 113 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. So I don't know what to say uh, about that whole thing other than, again, regression. Complete regression from last week. How about this? Iowa had 206 of its 209 first half yards of offense on the first four drives of the game. I mean, it's, it's that tone setting. And and you think about thirty five at the thirty five zero at the half. I mean, yeah. what do you say to the defense? What what do you say to <laughs> anybody at halftime in there to get them back into the game? I, I mean, Jones, yeah. this is this is that's an impossible task for me. It is, and you know, so two things concern me. One, it appears that Antoine Simmons, you know, clearly our best linebacker, was hurt in this game. Um, his snap count was way down. Um, and, and he didn't seem to be playing like himself. I mean, it it was such a regression from a guy who was consistent all of last year on defense. I I mean, you know, even with that, that team that was not particularly good. Um, so that's concerning, particularly going into next week. Um, and it was the other thing that concerned me and, and this isn't something that I think is, you know, with Iowa running the ball with authority that you would necessarily look to. But um, our defensive backs seem to be manhandled by their wide receivers on on blocking. And and that concerns me. You know, we'll get into the preview in a little bit. But um, Indiana has a handful of of wide receivers that are large. And then one guy who's not and is very, very fast. And so if, you know, if Indiana is able to essentially – run in a diamond, you know, hang out in a diamond formation and have three big dudes block our DBs while their one small guy runs real fast down the field. That's concerning. And so there was a lack of toughness out of the DBs that, you know, maybe that's just sort of a cherry on top of a bad performance, but that, that piece is concerning, particularly when the formation you're running calls for five defensive backs. So like you've opted out of having a linebacker who's maybe a bit more of a physical player in favor of defensive backs, they need to step it up in exchange for that. Indeed. I'm on board. Wow. So, All right. So then uh, I guess this last little uh, pick apart fun time we're having here is the special teams. Uh, Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. The punt coverage has been abysmal this year. It it is – and it, I mean, it has been it has been bad in every single game, and it was really underscored here. It is a matter of it is the same way in in that the linebackers weren't covering their gaps. The same is true 
on the punt coverage. No one seems to be trusting the other person or they all want to be center stage. It is one or the other. They don't trust that their colleague or their teammate will will get the tackle or they want to be the one to get the tackle. So instead of covering their lane and just making sure the play stays where it's supposed to stay, they're they're doing the worst. It, it is big bad. And it and Ross, Ross, I'm talking to you. I know you're a listener, but your linebackers didn't keep their lane. The run fit was terrible. And you might as well have said, linebackers, why don't you teach special teams this week? Because it was real bad. Uh, yeah. Iowa punt returns, five for 105 yards. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah and, and, not very good. And how many, how, many, how many yards did we get, Kevin? Uh, oh, well, there's just – there's a line here on the box score that says no Michigan state punt returns. So, <laughs> Oh it was a, my God. It was just a, uh, D'Antonio era punt return type of box score, uh, that we put up here. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Rough. Not going to win, win. Not going to win games that way. Not going to win them. Wow. But I oh, think, I think we can put this behind us because, there's been some, uh, you know, if Mich- if the Michigan game was a sell to recruits, like, hey, we can be giant killers over here. The Iowa game was taped to say, look, here's where you can jump the place of the guy who's currently playing mm, and like and that. start tomorrow. So <laughs> that or a or a uh, worthy recruitment ad to the Helen Keller School for the for the blind and deaf. Ugh. Neither here nor there, I guess. Oh no! All right, I like um, how this was Jonesy's uh, transition into recruiting. Bond <laughs> was like, "Actually, let's derail this. <laughs> let's so take we, this. Let's bomb everyone out. <laughs> let's move to the three big pickups this week. Two for the class of 2021, and our first pickup for the class of 2022." Uh, gentlemen, uh, who wants to plumb? You got to get the chew toy out of your mouth. Don't worry. Greg, tell us about our 2022 commit. All right, Mr. Chris Phillips, uh, on Sunday, because who doesn't want to commit after a performance like that against Iowa? Uh, 6'4", 310, um, currently no stars, uh, but he does have offers from Arizona State and, uh, Delaware State. Uh, so pretty exciting. Um, what position does he play? He's actually three stars. I, I was the one who goofed on the outline, so I'm taking full credit for this. Um, he's just on rivals. He's not on uh 24 seven. So there's no composite yet. What, uh, what position does Mr. Chris Phelps play? He's an offensive tackle. Nice. Starting yes. him early. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, 6'4", 310, I mean, that's, they're getting bigger. Uh, That's a a bigger dude uh, than some of the guys uh, that are currently on the offensive line when they were, uh, when they were being recruited. So um, that's exciting. Uh, Jonesy, what about our next pickup? Uh, from the state of Michigan, the great state of Michigan. Ooh, boy, this is Rayshon Benny committed today. 
Um, he is, uh, for those who don't know, he's out of Oak Park, Michigan, and he is currently the highest ranked member of Mel Tucker's 2021 class. He is number six in the state of Michigan, number uh, and number fifteen nationally at his position. Wow, number one eighty eight overall in the class of twenty twenty one. In high school, he's been playing on both sides of the ball, uh, but it looks to be a defensive tackle at the collegiate level. Uh, has spent a lot of the year working on that particular skill set. He comes in at six five two seventy five, and what I think is most interesting about Rayshon Benny, as we've sort of speculated about defensive scheme is that his size makes it seem likely that Tucker's going to stick with a four-man front, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, Rayshon's a guy who will who will play in the middle but is going to feast in the backfield. Uh, and the formation that he's going to require to do that needs a four-man front um, so that he can work on particular gaps on the offensive line. Um, it is noticeable, notable about um, – Rayshon Benny's commitment video that I really loved this, that he said he'll be spending the next three to four years at Michigan state. Uh, I like the moxie of a guy who, who believes he's playing on Sundays and, (laughs) and, and is gonna, gonna bring that with him uh, on day one. Um, That tells me he knows he's, he's going to work for that. So I like the word moxie. That's Mm, fine. I like the word boxy, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, our third commit is another guy to be very happy about. Uh, Brandon Baldwin, just an hour after Benny announced his commitment, uh, another tackle. I think this is great news for us, actually, come to think of it. Uh, Juco offensive tackle playing at Independence Community College in Kansas. Independence, Kansas. Uh, tried to sneak a little commitment in under the radar. Um, Mr. Baldwin is from Southfield here in Michigan, and uh, he's the fourth best Juco offensive tackle and fourth best uh, junior college player overall. So coming in at a nice, uh, sizable six foot seven <laughs> and 315 pounds, I'm uh, I'm excited Big to see boy. what Mr. Brandon Baldwin can do for us. He's got offers, I guess, on the table right now from Maryland, uh, Louisville, Eastern Michigan, and uh, Liberty, but they seem to be embroiled in some some recent problems of their um, – their, uh, their former president. Yeah, for one reason or another, Mr. Baldwin, it's probably a good idea that you didn't go to Liberty. Fear um, <laughs> of the old Liberty, whatever the hell they might be. So, this is a pretty good. Uh, this is, I think, this is something to feel pretty good about uh, for the classes of twenty-one and twenty-two. I think uh, at least our tackle game is going to be a little bit stronger. Yeah, I think Brandon Baldwin in particular is an interesting pickup to me. Uh, not to like spend too much time on recruits, but because he's a JUCO player. That's that's a guy who's going to have a little bit more under his belt who, you know, and six, seven, three, 15. I suspect he's starting on day one, right? Like that's that's a guy who's an immediate contributor. So you see next season Mm -hmm. in theory, an automatic improvement to the offensive line. Indeed. I mean, Um, welcome. Welcome back to the Juco life. MSU fans. Yeah, I know we don't see a lot of these around here, but um, I think Mel Tucker is probably starting to see that there are some uh, holes that he's got to fill in this uh, lineup, and uh, he's probably looking for some immediate contributors. The good yeah, news is- I bet you is, in the same way that, uh, that what's-his-face at um, at Rutgers, why is his name escaping me? Chop. You're, the, the head coach. You're, yeah, uh, I had it while you were saying, but Greg Shiano. Yes, um, Shia, the way Shiano picked up every transfer that, that was on the market, 
I think Mel Tucker's probably like, I need to get my guys in here, but it's going to take a minute. What you don't want to see is a whole team full of Juco transfers. So if we get two or three here or there, you know, in the next couple of classes, that's fine by me. If we get to the point where we're, you know, Richard Patino and we're just filling holes <laughs> in year eight of our regime, uh, that's a real concern. But for right now, I, I see a role for Juco players on this roster. Yeah. Well said. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit of basketball for a second, gents. Um, mm-hmm. First up, so uh, AJ Hogard, uh, we found out today as people were chatting with Izzo, had a torn meniscus, uh, but it sounds like he'll be ready in time for the season to kick off. And that was a dot, dot, dot on November 25th. We don't have a scheduled game on November 25th. But, you know, Izzo says November 25th and then later in a call with reporters also says that um, uh, he and uh, uh, the Oakland head coach, whose name name is now escaping me. Greg Campy. Campy. That's right. Uh, Thank you. Uh, That that who also had covid earlier this year that uh, maybe they can chat while Izzo's doing his isolation um, about what they're going to do to each other. And so. Unless that's flirtatious, um, that implies that maybe we're playing Oakland this year. So, you know, maybe we're playing Oakland on November 25th. I don't know. People are talking. Um, uh, maybe people have been reading my Tom Izzo, uh, uh, Greg Campy fanfic. Yeah, Annaboy. Um, and maybe it's finally made its way over to Izzo's desk. I think that's the most likely uh, explanation for this. Uh, maybe he doesn't have COVID. Maybe he just needed time with Greg. <laughs> In a real twist. Uh, I'll take it. The last bit of basketball news I think that we have to cover here, and I think it's one we can all say we're very excited about, is that those young gentlemen, those high school boys that we've been talking so much about, will be signing a binding agreement to come to Michigan State on Wednesday. It's National Letter of Intent Signing Day. Heyo! Let's have a less than eventful signing day, shall we? Let's not have any surprises. Yeah, that sounds great. The um, class is full, and we like what we've got. Let's just have a signing day. That sounds if, pretty good to if me. If there's a surprise, it's that Amani calls ESPN, and he says, I am signing today. That would be great. <laughs> uh... But otherwise, uh, you know, if anyone wants to feel particularly paranoid, uh, stay on Twitter on Wednesday and find out who got their letters in. Uh, But it should be a great class and a good day. We're all used to staying on Twitter, waiting for uh, results from tallies to come in at this point. I just got a cold sweat go down my spine. Use those same skills that you've honed over the last week. Pretending that you know all the different uh, counties in Pennsylvania that you, <laughs> yeah, I've known Maricopa County has been slight r- lean R for the last, you know, four or five years. People that can't find Arizona on a map or like know all of these demographic breakdowns for all the counties. And obviously I knew where Fulton County was. Duh. Um, <laughs> if you guys had ever, but anyway, Georgia, you would. Uh, yes, indeed. We should, we, we will defer to Alex Plum, uh, who, you know, studied, uh, 
public Thanks. health in Georgia Thanks. on all things Georgia related. Mm. But uh, let's move on to off Grand River. But before we do, we need to say a quick word about our dear sponsor, Brandon Sands. Brandon Sands wants to let you know that mortgage rates are very near historical lows. How low are they, Greg? Uh, I mean, they're pretty they're pretty close to historical lows. They're in the neighborhood. You know, they're still they're still around there. It's the getting's good. So now that we know about mortgage rates, uh, Plum, why would we call Brandon Sands? Oh, my God. The guy has closed over 10,000 loans and works for one of the largest mortgage lenders in the country. Of course, guaranteed rate. But the real reason you call Brandon Sands is because of the approach he uses to set himself apart. That sort of a consultative approach. Cracks a beer, you crack a beer, you discuss money options, you're uh, paying anything 4% or higher. He is going to get you a deal. He's going to it's gonna save you some money. You're probably paying too much. He's going to help you save hundreds, maybe thousands a month, consolidate those high-interest debts, refinance the home. He's just your guy. He is. He's if you want to buy guy. money, Brandon is the guy to buy money from. Mm. Yeah? All right. Yep. So if you want to get in touch with Brandon – Oh, wait, Greg, did you have something to add? No, I I just say do it. Just do, do it, it at this point. Do it. Do it. Great. Uh, rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. All right, gentlemen, let's head off Grand River. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot. <laughs> let's cover it. Let's cover it. You know what? Let's get into it. Let's cover everything that's happened in sports over the last week, because, again, we've all been paying really close attention to nothing but sports. I mean, I could do a few minutes on Penn State being big bad. Uh, oh, but God. Yeah. Sad <laughs> Valley. It's rough Sad to be Valley. a Penn State yeah. <laughs> um, But uh, let's – I want to turn maybe the the eye towards – an ire towards uh, – the University of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Plum, I, I want you to to help me out here. So, Notre Dame and Clemson played each other in football. Now, that's not particularly remarkable, right? Mm-hmm. People are playing football. Um, Notre Dame beat Clemson in a relatively dramatic fashion. Um, that's not particularly remarkable because people are playing football. But then what happened afterwards seems to be quite remarkable because students and fans rushed the field. Now, I know we've covered it on the pod, and I think we've even covered it on this pod, but can you remind me, in these times, is there a reason that you don't want to be near other people? In these times, there are a couple reasons, uh, but I think the bigger question is how in the hell – did they get away with allowing that many people into the stadium to begin with? And and then if that weren't – I mean I have to assume then that the the security was like, well, we're not working with this many people here because we don't want to get COVID. So they weren't there <laughs> to keep any order. And of course these absolute maskless monsters uh, were out there screaming, hollering, choking down their sullied air – uh, with with whatever chance of victory and joy they felt. I mean, I, I, what I read, I think we discussed this a little earlier, was that uh, Notre Dame is going to be requiring the students to get tested before they go back home. 
because the exposure rates ha- have to be so high right now on campus that mm-hmm. they are imperiling these kids' families and communities when they go back for the extended break. This is beyond reckless. Um, Notre Dame, just, I mean, my God, if they didn't, if you didn't already hate them, just throw this one on the list. I, you know, the thing that I come back to is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Now, just because you live in a state that is wildly incompetent leadership who didn't stop you from filling the stands doesn't mean you should fill the stands. That's the piece of this that blows my mind, particularly because the president of their university decided to go celebrate rushing someone onto the Supreme Court by removing his mask in the Rose Garden and French kissing every senator that he could possibly find and then got COVID. Celebrating an alum or a, a professor, by the way, who's already had COVID. <laughs> like, I am deeply baffled that you could have that experience to say, you know what? Yeah, let's put people in the stands. Let's do that. Sounds like a good idea. And then to threaten students with repercussions because of these gatherings when you yourself are the largest hypocrite in the world is mind blowing to me. Greg, you got anything you want to say? I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it from the University of Notre Dame. You, you. I, the hypocrisy. I, I just can't. I've never, I've just never seen this type of behavior or this these types of outcomes from the University of Notre Dame before. And I just, I, I held them in such high regard, and now, just. This is too difficult for me. This is my breaking point, 2020. I bet you will seriously reduce how much you donate to the university this year. It will pain me to do so, but I, I'm i going to have to withhold all of my financial contributions to Notre Dame this year. God, that's fair. That'll be so difficult for me. Yeah, they're idiots. When do we play them again? Like 2038? <laughs> Who cares? I hope they rehire Charlie Weiss. They deserve it. I don't want them to have that decided schematic advantage again, okay? I prefer... How many lives does Brian Kelly want to be responsible for taking before he finally just stops? You know, when does it end? In fairness, is there a is there like a live look of Brian Kelly like actively encouraging the students to rush the field? Being like, guys, what are you doing? Rush the field, you guys. Like his face is all red. He's just screaming at them. <laughs> Why isn't anyone rushing my field? Oh, I hate Brian Kelly. I do. You is there is there anything better than knowing that MSU could have hired that dude and we didn't? I mean that and passed. Just imagine if we had to make excuses for Brian Kelly over the last several years. That would have been awful. I I really am glad that not as awful though of being at Michigan and having to make excuses for Harbaugh. You know, no. No, not as awful as that. <laughs> Can always be worse, you guys. Plum, way to bring bring that home. I appreciate it. Uh, and that is actually all we have for Off Grand River this week because, you know, F you, Brian Kelly. Um, and also because we weren't paying attention to sports this week. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Oh, but also worth noting that um, uh, who's that? Who's that quarterback for Clemson that has a kind of punchable face? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence yeah. You. 
despite having COVID, he supposedly passed his 10-day window and traveled with the team but was not able to play with them. Plum assures me that this is uh, somehow maybe responsible. Um, I still think he should have stayed home and whatever. Um, you know who he looks like? Because He looks like Buffalo he, Bill on Silence of the Lambs, the character James Gumb. Super giant <laughs> a young, buff. A young Ted Bill. Levine. A young skin-wearing Ted Levine. And that's how he's acting by, again, showing up to a game he had no business being out. What an absolute boob. This has been one hell of an off, <laughs> off-grid over you guys, but it just... Honestly, it has. Where I'm at? I've enjoyed it. Do yes. Do you have any idea that we were just like, sound off on Notre Dame in all ways. <laughs> That's our off-grammar for segment this week. <laughs> Honestly, I think this would be the energy in, up after. In fairness, we did that last week, but for Michigan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe our off-grand river segment was dunk on Michigan some more. Um, well, hopefully next week we won't have to do this about Indiana, although they also deserve it. Forks down, Indiana. And we will talk about Indiana in just a moment. But before we do, we got to talk about Preserved Homemade. It's a goods and provision store bringing you tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Their website just launched. It includes their first drop of goods because it's sort of a, a, you know, twice a month there are new goods that are available. Uh, you can find them there. Uh, it's a lineup of staple cookies, seasonal cookies, cocktail cherries, with some pre-ordering available for Thanksgiving and Friendsgiving pies, local deliveries only. Uh, check out their Instagram page at preserved underscore homemade or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you'd love to some homemade goodness. We've all had preserved homemade. Alex, give your personal experience with preserved homemade. Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it's how I feel about them. You indeed have multiple chocolate chip cookie recipes, right? I um, go back and forth on uh, two. There's a third that I don't use as often, um, which is to say that I'm very fond of baking chocolate chip cookies and fond of doing it for my friends. And then I had preserved homemade chocolate chip cookies. And it was that moment like, well, I guess I don't always have to make chocolate chip cookies for my friends <laughs> if someone else can do it. So maybe I'll just make air for my friends. I don't really know yet what I'm going to do. <laughs> so preserved homemade has caused Alex to find a new identity and you should check them out again, preserved underscore homemade on Instagram or preserved dash homemade.com on the World Wide web. Greg, talk to me about, Indiana and why I need to be telling my son that Indiana might be good. Um, well, let, before we talk about your son, let's talk about your lifetime. Jonesy, when's the last time you saw a top 10 Indiana football team? <laughs> I, I think I the believe- answer is never. I think none of us on this podcast have been alive the last time Indiana was in the top 10. I, I mean, don't know if I've been alive that Indiana beat Michigan. Uh, I think you have barely been alive. Ah, it was like right. 87 or something like that, right? Or like 91 or something. Um, dude, this is a 3-0 and top 10 Indiana football team coming to Spartan Stadium this week. Let that all settle in. Penn State is 0-3. Indiana is 3-0. and Okay? That's where we're at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Indiana quarterback Michael Penix uh, continues to <clears throat> improve. 
uh, spitting footballs all over the place. Dude threw the ball 50 times in the last game for 342 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, quite in the Wait. way that, uh, yeah, Michael, oh, hold on. was there something 50- you wanted to say about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many times did Rocky throw the ball to get that many yards against Michigan? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. Do you have the answer to that? Less than 40. <laughs> All right. Nothing anyway. to Michael Penix. <laughs> anyway, here's, here's the, here's what you have to look forward to. Indiana will strongly favor what is working. They have no interest in, uh, you know, an equal distribution of workload. They'll throw the ball 50 times and then they'll, you know, rush 20, 25, whatever's left, however many plays are left. I mean, like if they get an opportunity to hone in on something, they're going to do it. Um, The good news is that Michigan did manage to get to him several times on Saturday. They made him uncomfortable a few times. Their offensive line is not perfect. Um, So it is possible to make him uncomfortable. Uh, Do you want to, Jonesy, tell us, about the wide receivers again in greater detail. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about them last year for, and so we've noticed some more people are listening to the pod since the last time we played Indiana review the tapes for last year. <laughs> yeah. If you just want to go back and listen to that, but the, the gist of it is that Indiana has some wide receivers that are big guys like six, two, six, three, six, four plus, you know, 200 pounds. Um, and then they've got a uh, a tight end whose name is escaping me currently. Who can who can push out? Um, he's great in the slot. Can be uh, can be out wide. They can do a lot with their playmakers. And then they have you may recall one receiver, Watt Fillier, who is a Grade A certified dude. Um, he's like 5'10", 170, and um, does not matter. Fast as hell. I mean, he is going to be all over the field, and the problem is that you need to pay a lot of attention to him. So even if you shut down Wap Fillier, you got problems elsewhere. Um, it is a very, very good wide receiving core, and they have a stud of a quarterback who can make it tough, right? I mean... Yeah. Going to make it tough. I just looked it up the last time MSU played a top 10 Indiana team. You ready for it? Oh, boy. 1967 was the last time Indiana Ooh, won that game 14 13 um, in one of their 16 uh, victories for the old brass platoon all time. So um, this is rarefied air for the Indiana Hoosiers football team to even be in this. And they've been flirting with a good defense for a little bit right now, Greg, right? Like, I mean, even when they've had kind of like, because there was a time where Indiana was never, not quite a gimme game, even under the D'Antonio era. It was like, I got a good linebacking core, but they looked good last week, right? They did. Yeah. I mean, they won last week. Well, I mean, on defense specifically is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I have had the pleasure of having to watch Indiana football both of the last two weeks. And, uh, I mean, they're a pretty complete team on both sides of the ball. They're, they're legit. So, um, I mean, the, the good news is that on the MSU defense side of things, 
uh, the Hoosiers, or, or no, sorry, uh, I apologize. The Hoosier defense, this is bad news, held U of M to 13 yards of rushing, um, the least that uh, IU had held an opponent to since William & Mary in 2002. So, I didn't know William & Mary even had a football program. Maybe they only I did think in 2002. I think it's the private school, the private school in Indianapolis, the private high school that they're talking about there. <laughs> maybe maybe they tried it for one game and they were like, oh my God, we only got 13 yards rushing against Indiana. <laughs> Cancel it. Cancel the whole thing. Oh. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect from this game. Uh I'm I'm at least hopeful. Maybe I think if there's if if listeners want to to have something to key in on, right to to see what we can see out of this uh, this new staff and the and the team and how they're adopting things is that the the four two five defensive formation that we've talked so much about is a formation that you would often use with teams that that uh, utilize a spread attack uh, a spread as their base formation. Iowa and Wisconsin are the two teams that do not use spread as their base formation. So we we know that the Rutgers defensive effort may not have been perfect, but it was also hard to judge because of the turnovers. So Indiana may be a fair shot at seeing how well we respond to a spread uh, and an effective one at that because we did OK against Michigan. Um, on defense, I mean, I don't or I mean, sorry, on offense, I don't know. Like. I mean, watch to to see if we can air the ball out again, is the, and if that's the solution. <laughs> uh, another thing to watch is the betting markets. Uh, there's the top ten team coming in to Spartan Stadium this weekend, and right now they're only favored by seven points. So there's something that the betters are seeing in Vegas that they're not entirely sold on this Indiana team. Because let's be honest. After you get housed by Iowa, an 0 and 2 Iowa team, 49 to 7. That I think was only probably, favored by seven and a half at the at the end of the day, right? Uh sure. That's an 0 and 2. Yeah, I, well, no, my so. point being is that Iowa houses you and they were only favored by a little bit. Maybe I undercut you. Sorry, buddy. No. No, you just ruined my entire point. That's all. That's all. That's the, that's the lawyer in you. It bubbles up sometimes. It's fine. It bubbles up. But we're good. All right. Uh, it's not... It's It could be a good game, is what I'm, I'm getting at here. I'm with you. Plum, not a sponsor. Get me out of ruining Greg's mojo. <laughs> <laughs> I was having more fun, but that's fine. Gentlemen... This week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Audible, the audiobook and spoken word company, which is excited to announce a new partnership with Minnesota Golden Gophers head coach, P.J. Fleck. Fleck, known as much for his interest in scat play as coaching a marginal at best Division I football program, has released a series of children's stories on tape, narrated by him while he goes poop. After inspiring his team to a victory over Illinois by reading the team Everybody Poops, an obviously too excited Fleck has decided to put his bottom where his mouth is, or his mouth where his bottom is, anyway, and put the shit in shit-eating grin 
Hotly anticipated in 2021, Fleck's next book on tape, co-narrated by the team mascot, is entitled Goldie's Golden Showers. So head on over to Audible, uh, where if you put in uh, that Can't Read, Can't Write sent you, you'll get 10% off the next audiobook on tape, replete with sound effects. Audible for weirdos. I, I love that this this ad copy is still referring to it as books on tape. Of course, of course. Well, books. These are books on tape. These are. These are books. I guess they're technically books on CD, but no one has CD players anymore either. So, <laughs> oh, how we've aged. Uh, uh, all right, let's head to Twitter questions. Um, and we have some news for for regular questioners. Uh, we someone was kind enough. Uh, Nate C, regular questioner, was kind enough to retweet the show when we posted it to the the Twitters. Um, but he said something in comments that I felt like maybe g- was particularly acute for maybe Greg, but I certainly myself. Uh, <laughs> he said, "This is a quote. This is a great interactive podcast with hosts who you can hardly hardly tell seem tired of answering questions, but don't know how to get out of what they've started." <laughs> Nate <laughs> you see me in ways that no one has and so uh, when we had a podcast that went over two hours we made some decisions about yeah, the Twitter it was questions. time to evaluate things <laughs> and they will continue to exist and we want people to send as many as they would like but they may not all make air <laughs> And indeed, there's no guarantee that if you send four, all four will make air because no one wants a two hour podcast. In fact, I think there's a guarantee that all four will not at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's 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 probably fair. That's probably fair. Uh, We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. So but we uh, we do sincerely appreciate all of the I mean, this podcast wouldn't have existed over the summer and through, you know, the cancellation of college basketball without this kind of involvement, uh, from you guys, uh, and, and gals. So it is genuinely sincerely appreciated, but, uh, at the same time we do have actual sports to talk about now. So, also, yes, we, we do want to hurt your feelings. I, that's the whole point <laughs> to answering your Twitter questions in the ways that we do. That's the fun part of this. So I, I don't accept Mike's assertion that this isn't intended to be personal. It's intended to be deeply, <laughs> deeply personal. In fact, <laughs> uh, so uh, Greg is saying eight questions when sports are done again, um, which <laughs> set your countdown clock to plus or minus December one. Um, and, uh, you know, but while we have sports to talk about, it's just going to have to be a little bit lighter. And so with that, we'll head first to CT and TC, uh, whose first question that we've selected. And again, we want multiple questions to select from, so we can feel like you can feel like you're being edited. But the first question is, who's your pick for a breakout on MSU's basketball team this season? I want to hear from both of you. Greg, who do you have? I'm going to go Josh Langford. If you haven't seen a guy in two years, can you call that a breakout? I submit that you can. Josh Langford comes back. He stays healthy. 
he breaks out of this really, really terrible injury loop that he has been in. And we get to finally see the redemption arc of Joshua Langford. Plum, what do you think about that? I love that. I love it. I think we all know he's going to get a really bad sprain probably the, the day before the first game, and that will be the end of his college career. But if that doesn't happen, and it may yet not yet, uh, I think Rocket Watts. I think Rocket Watts pulls it together, plays with the consistency we've all been only dreaming of, and uh, and and takes us from 13 in the preseason all the way to 12 by the end of the season. Rocket Watts. All the love way to 12. it. Uh, um, I'm I'm a marble guy, Julius Marble guy. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy, but I'm saying he's he's carving out a meaningful role on the team, and that's what I'm looking for. Thanks. Next up, Anthony Garvert. Which team is more disappointing this year so far, U of M or Penn State? Plum, what do you got? <laughs> oh, it's Michigan. Let's be clear. Um, because even though uh, they did lose to us, they lost to us, and we've now lost not only to Rutgers, but to Iowa. So, no, I think even being objective, uh, U of M is the more disappointing team this year. And um, and I, I'm going to go back and blame it on uh, on Harbaugh's khakis. Yeah. I don't know. Greg, fight me. Uh, I don't know. The loss to Maryland and how they lost to Maryland is, that's got to be demoralizing. I mean, that's got to be rough. Um, this is tough. I mean, Garbert, you're getting to the heart of it right here. I think we can just accept that these two teams are just in a total state of 2020 misery right now. And uh, it's impossible to differentiate between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, next up from Garver, Jonesy, prop bet. New COVID cases in South Bend versus passing yards allowed against Penix next week. So I'm a little bit bullish on MSU's defense next week. I'm going new COVID cases in South Bend exploding. And I, I mean, hate, I hate myself for having to pick that, but I did. It's total upward potential for the South Bend. Like, it's unbelievable, like, how many potential COVID cases you get in South Bend, right? Uh, what limit. about our public yeah. What about our public health expert? When you saw those pictures of the students on the field, just give us a rough, rough estimate of what that could yield. I mean, I just started coughing myself. Now, you think about it. They're going to they're gonna go back to their dorms. Um, and, you know, if they're – well, they actually didn't go back to their dorms directly, I'm sure. They probably stopped and got pizza. They – stopped at a restaurant they went to the uh they went to the bar or at the very least they went to the party store to get beer kegs they continued the party when they went home uh notre dame issued a statement where they didn't blame this all on the football team they said it was a busy weekend which has to imply that they were doing more than just football so you think about the police that probably had to come break up some parties and the families they're going to go back home to all the store clerks gas station attendants you know uh, folks working in the supermarkets uh, other essential workers um that's it. That's what's going to happen. And as these kids fill up hospitals or their families fill up hospitals, the rest of us who get in car accidents, have a heart attack, have a stroke, can't get in for care. And this is why that matters. That's what's driving up health care costs. That's what's going to make health care uh, premiums jump through the roof next year. Uh, I'll stop, but you get the point. Um, it, it's COVID. It, it, real quick, we, Plum, we don't know what kind of test Notre Dame will be utilizing, but some of the tests are like only like good 50% of the time, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on sensitivity specificity. If their tests come back and say they're positive, they will be. Um, 
if uh, the, but the, test, the negatives aren't necessarily great. Yeah, we don't have great reliability on the negatives. So uh, now, if they take more than one test, if if no, uh, if uh, Notre Dame wanted to be really responsible, they would get every single student uh, who tests negative a second test, and that double double negative confirmation should be sufficient to uh, to, to to pretty confidently say that they are not they are not infected at that time. So you would agree then that Notre Dame is not doing what they need to do. Not by a long one. All right. Uh, next up is Raymond chains. Greg, is it his fault that the Spartans lost? Did he do something wrong? Yes, Raymond. And you know what that is. I mean, we've, t- we love it. We, we've talked about it. Before. We all know. We've talked about it before. We all know. And you yeah. know, no, yeah, we've talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> we talked <laughs> Yeah, you you didn't give us our episode of of the Antonio show. Come on, In, man! Indeed, I'm even for it. We need it. Yeah, Jones, Spartan hockey, spring break of a schedule with no game against Michigan. What's the damn point, Raymond? I'm glad you asked. We are going to have Jer Bear on next week to break down this next season and what the current schedule is. But my understanding is that Spartan hockey is being released in phases, Um, in particular in light of um, how you've seen certain football programs like Wisconsin have to be shut down. They're trying to contain uh, the damage that it could do to other teams' schedules. So um, Michigan will almost certainly be on the schedule at some point in time, I think. I'm going to confirm that later, but I'm going to talk out of my ass right now. Um, but for right now, it is not in phase one of the schedule. Um, Greg, Brandon List asks, N equals three. Confusion? Mm-hmm. But interceptions do not change math. 75,217,944 is greater than 30,934. That's true. It's also not how presidents are chosen, Brandon mm. List. <laughs> so I would point that well, out. Well, to that point, 306 is in fact still greater than 229. So eat it. Some of those were stolen. <laughs> Some of those were stolen. And we're going to cut away from this broadcast. Greg <laughs> is welcome to talk again when he brings proof to the party. Uh, but in the meantime. In some areas, we've got to stop counting. In other areas, we've got to keep counting. It makes perfect sense. It's, it's coherent. Oh, boy. All right. All right. Next up, uh, Plum from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Mel Tucker has a three and five year plan. Can the Spartan fans be that patient? Oh, upper deck slender guy. You know, this is the real question because I am the one on the pod who has most consistently been uh, confused, um, um, made irate by the 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 plan, the process. Uh, so, a three year plan. I can probably be just about that patient if you allow me to continue to come onto the pod and vent my frustrations. Um, and remember this was, this was a week where I didn't really even pay that much attention because other things were happening. Uh, but a five-year plan. No, I don't think it's fair to ask Spartan fans to be that patient. I mean, after all, isn't that what folks have been saying about Harbaugh for the past, uh, five plus years now? Um, so I, that that a lot of patience doesn't seem to be to, to me to be responsible. But am I wrong, Jones? 
I, <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to say those things. What uh, the upper deck, jerk, upper deck jerk guy is uh, referring to specifically for listeners who don't know is that Mel Tucker has been talking to recruits about a three and a five year plan as a way of sort of showing uh, what their what their impact will be in the near near future. And what their impact will be, their sort of redshirt senior or potentially the year after they leave, like how they will be part of cementing a legacy. And so I don't know if the fans can be that patient. I think it's a very intriguing way of talking to recruits. And I think it's a really an interesting way of talking to them and and sort of selling the notion that you are a big time contributor to a big time change sooner rather than later and and how you will be part of a broader legacy. Um, and so I don't know, I'm kind of into it. Um, and if it's working on recruits, great. But, uh, Greg, I think the update jerk guys second question is maybe his most important. And the one that this, uh, this three-star Slenderman is the most, uh, reticent to say yes to mm. when is the live call in version of the pod? Well, Upper Deck Jerk Guys, since you, uh, you know, hacked in to our last broadcast, we've been going pirate radio on this thing. So we just pop up in remote locations, record a, a, you know, a broadcast, shoot it off, and then hit the road again. So we've been on the lam for a long time uh, trying to get away from you. But, uh, you know, maybe we just uh, let you catch up one of these times. huh? Maybe oh, we yeah. just set up like a, a Google number voicemail situation. And make you do all the editing on that. Wouldn't that make yeah. you happy? Yeah, that would be a good time. I think uh, Zencaster does allow for some kind of like piping in type of thing. I could look into that um, for everyone but the upper deck jerk guy. <laughs> uh, Plum, what about you? Would you do live call in or, or would you be on camera for that? Oh, both. Both and. I'm uh, very, very telegenic, uh, it turns out. And some might say that my uh, dulcet tones are even more pronounced on uh, the grainy airwaves of my uh, Verizon-sponsored cellular device. I think that we should record on audio, but then just do a live stream of Yali playing with his toys, uh, or her, her toys, pardon me, in the background. Um I think that would actually bring in way more views. Some are saying that's what they want. Uh, so. Big if it's like true. A puppy bowl every week. Uh, next up is Nick Kamansky, who asks, "Will you be hosting the podcast at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping?" <laughs> Plum. Our off Grand River segment is actually uh, taking place on a flotilla mm-hmm. off Grand River. Um, you right? Yes. That's yes. That's the approach. Yes, it's it. That's the approach. It will be off, uh, off Grand River at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping, and we will all be dressed as furries, which apparently have descended upon virtual Four Seasons Total Landscaping um, uh, scenarios. I don't really know how that works. I just saw it on Twitter earlier, and isn't that great? Isn't that just great? Ugh. Pokemon go to the polls. All right. Uh, next up, will MSU or Michigan win another game in football? Uh, Greg, what's MSU? Is MSU going to win another game? Yeah, this weekend. Forks Great. down. And it, All rest platoon staying home. Yeah, and it's yeah. probably it's probably going to work that way too because this college football season hasn't made sense yet. So why would it start this weekend? Yeah, no, absolutely, we're going to win. 
I mean, and let's be honest, if MSU doesn't win another game, can Michigan really say that they won another game? (laughs) That means that means you would have lost a game to a one and eight team. Well, that's not good. They very, they very, very well may. Uh, Guys, Dan Hellpepper coming through with a nice couple questions here. Jonesy, the last MSU team to get embarrassingly, embarrassingly blown out in Iowa City won a share of the conference in 2010. So we're good, right? Indeed, Dan. Indeed. Um, actually, one of the things that I've been looking at for this team, it, obviously we would like to see improvement week over week. Um, certainly not regressions. Um, we you know, want to see some competitiveness. I look back at the 2012 team, which I think lost every game by a touchdown or less. Um, and we're not near that mark. But it, it is, you know, if it's one thing if they're like big things to fix. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just it seems like. Talk to me at the end of the year, but this season is still season zero for me in, in how I'm evaluating it. But I th- I think we might be in a place where we can feel good at the end of this season about what we can expect in 2021. Greg, you got a reason to disagree? No, no, I agree. Let's remember our expectations for this city or for this uh, season at the beginning of it. And let's uh, hold to those uh, for the time being. Uh, Next up from Dan Hellpepper, Plum, you ever just walk along like Jeff Smoker was on Saturday night, minding his own business and bang, Orlovskied? Do you ever been Orlovskied like that? I mean, I've been Orlovskied like that, but I don't know. This pod is a family friendly pod. So I don't know if we want (laughs) to, we don't really want to get that Jeff smoked. You know what I mean? Dan Hellpepper stirring the pot, pot. you know, Orlovsky style. Stirring the pot. I, uh, I thought Orlovsky did a good job, uh, on the call. I've heard previous games of his. I thought, uh, it was, uh, boring enough that we got more of his personality than usual. And, uh, I thought he did, I thought he did fine. And we got a lot of, uh, I didn't know until that broadcast that he had originally committed to MSU before ultimately someday after a series of events ending up at UConn. That's crazy. Um, and that's what you want really is, you know, you want to be known as a guy who turned down big 10 play for UConn. So we're happy for you. You got some years in the league, man. Whatever. You got to run out of the back of the end zone that one time. And you get to say that I played for UConn. Um, and the Lions two times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is always thinking 1835, who says, time to prog- prognosticate. What will the final Big Ten rankings be for this season? Uh, let's take them one at a time. Uh, Plum, who's going to be number one in the Big Ten? Uh, Iowa. No. No, uh, Indiana no. with one, Indiana with one loss to Michigan State. Yes, that's it. Wow, wow. Okay, you yeah, prognosticate right. indeed. Yes. All right, so Greg, who's two? Uh, well, if you took Indiana, I'll take Michigan State. Obviously, is number two. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that means that means Ohio State, Ohio State somehow lost three or two with a head-to-head to us. Yes. And yes. Rutgers is not – all right. And Butler's So I'm taking – I'm going to be re- – Yeah. All right. So it's Ohio State, then Rutgers. The, okay. the problem here is are we assuming Big Ten East for this – for the purposes of this question? Oh, 
No, apparently the Big Ten East, though, is just running the show. I Look, always thinking 1835, I uh, I don't know what you expected out of this particular podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all right, so who do we who do we think, all right, Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten probably, or at least the Big Ten East. Who are they playing in the the in the West? Uh, well, right now it looks like they're playing. I mean, is Wisconsin even going to be eligible for Quite, that game? Right? People are asking. People are asking. Is it Northwestern? Uh, yeah, like right now it's going to be Northwestern or Purdue. Right? Uh, <laughs> Jesus, like, I know. What does it come drop. to? If Wisconsin isn't eligible for that game, it's got to be Northwestern or Purdue. You know what's more embarrassing than than losing to Rutgers is losing to a team in the Big Ten West. That's what people are saying. Let's move on. If three of you became a band, if the three of you became a band, what kind of music would you play? What? What would each of you do individually, and what would your band name be? Can't just be the same name as the pod. All right, Greg, what kind of music would we play? Uh... That we would be an uh, an emo pop band. Mm, okay, I think. Mm. Plum. Uh, what would we each each of us do individually? Uh, okay, I for sure. Uh, you would be on drums. Uh, Greg would probably be lead guitar and vocals, and I would play the guitar, and I would uh, have harmonies. That's. Oh my god! I can see it. I can see the guitar yeah. going. Yep. All right, and our band name would be Perennial September Heisman. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Next up and last up is Mama Maple Leaf, my frenemy. Have you noticed the running theme of the? <laughs> Jeez. Have you noticed the running theme of the number seven at the end of the game point totals for MSU so far? What's your favorite with a U or lucky number? Grek, connect this to the number twenty-three or a QAnon conspiracy. Yeah. It- uh yeah so the um seven that's the number of terms that the great leader should have as president um and uh that is hold on seven also represents the number of years that jfk jr uh went underground times two or three whatever we're up to now um, and then also, uh, for his redemption arc, there will be seven, um, Democrats seven, slain at the altar. Yeah. I was going to say all seven clones of Hillary Clinton will be brought to justice. Um, that's what seven means. Uh, it's also my lucky number. Well, I'll just Great. say my lucky number is 27. So do with that what you will, but that's bizarre. All right. And. Last from Mama Maple Leaf, the old brass spittoon, or what did someone call it? The the old gold jug or something like that. Oh, uh, I think Golston didn't know what it was. Not, it wasn't Golston. It was a it was a dowel last year. Oh, um, okay. But the old brass spittoon is approximately 200 years old. Was purchased in 1950 for 25 dollars at a Lansing antique store. Brass has metaphysical healing properties. Do they? Are we saying this is fact? <laughs> brass 
Some say brass is speculated mm. to have metaphysical healing properties. When you bring in the courage. word metaphysical, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. <laughs> that, that give courage. What liquid courage would you fill the spittoon with in order to have courage to face this week's contest? It's got to be Goldschlager, right? Uh, it's rye whiskey for me this week, boys. Bullet rye. Uh, it's some kind of whiskey. I mean, if it's going in a spittoon, it's got to be some kind of whiskey. Yep. So, uh, just take the bottom of the barrel whiskey. Mm. That's my liquid courage. Mm. I like how we had QAnon in the first Mama Maple Leaf question and metaphysical healing properties in part two. What is more off base? <laughs> in our next, in our next questioner giveaway, we'll be sending out crystals to help oh yes. my God. heal your arthritis. Anyway, gents, it's been a long week, but a good week. And I think for that, we can say go green, go white boys, go white.